0: Welcome to the Let's Talk About Care podcast. From carehome.co.uk and homecare.co.uk, the leading reviews websites for care homes and home care. Hello, I'm Angeline Albert. Welcome to this episode of Let's Talk About Care. You may have heard about dogs being able to smell and identify conditions like cancer and viruses like COVID-19. But when it comes to the human race, there is a woman living in Perth, Scotland, whose powerful sense of smell detected her husband's Parkinson's 12 years before he was diagnosed with it. Joy Mill has hereditary hyperosmia, a rare condition that gives her a heightened sense of smell. The trained nurse has helped scientists develop a quick three-minute swab test for Parkinson's. Unlike Parkinson's, Joy says cancer has an earthy odour, while tuberculosis smells like wet brown cardboard. She's here to talk about what it's like to live with a heightened sense of smell like hers. Thank you very much, Joy Mill, for coming and being a guest today on the podcast, Let's Talk About Care. Yes, it's pouring rain here. Your background, can you tell me about it, where you grew up?
1: I grew up in Dundee. On the east coast of Scotland, Um, the family, part Irish, part Scottish, you know, it was a very close-knit family.
0: As I understand it, you have
1: hereditary hyperosmia. Now, what is that? My grandmother had hyperosmia, um, and so do my two sisters. We know we can smell things other people can't.
0: How rare is hyperosmia?
1: It's a really small percentage in the world um, to be as acute as, as uh, I am. You all accept whiskey nose. You ex- expect to, to accept a perfume nose as well as the wine nose. Um, but if you look at Galen, thousands and thousands of years ago, he says that to be a physician, you must be able to smell diseases. How old were you when you first realised you had a powerful sense of smell? I said something in a classroom uh, which was um, uh, really just a little girl saying something. And um, my grandmother was brought into school to say, well, look, she shouldn't be saying that about somebody. And um, What did you say? (laughs) I said this little boy had wet his pants. (laughs) (laughs) So your grandmother (laughs) was called into the school? Yeah, and... She didn't, she said, oh yes, I'll have a word with her. She didn't explain what she was going to speak to me about. And she told me afterwards, look, you can't do this. Uh, you." Know, and she explained about the sense of smell and that not everybody has it and, and why I should be very careful. So from the age of six, seven, I knew I shouldn't be using it just as an everyday criticism, I would have said. <laughs>
0: What would you say are your favourite smells and what smells can't you stand?
1: I do like uh, flowers, I must admit. There are many flowers that I do enjoy, especially a very wild rose. But I do love lemon, lime and orange. It's the citrus fruits. I think they're wonderful. I think the smell is really nice. (laughs) And the worst smells? Oh, the worst smells. Now, believe it or not, it is not a natural smell. It's the base of the sprays. You know, the propellant Hmm. for cleaning fluids as well as perfumes and deodorants. I get a pain at the top of the back of my mouth. Gosh. Um, Can you tell me about the first time you met your husband, Les? Um, We were at a party. So we were both 16 at the time two of our friends had decided that they would get us together. So I was dancing with David and um, Les was dancing with Jean. And then they all of a sudden said, oh, let's swap partners. That was it. (laughs) What attracted you to him? Do
0: you remember what he first smelled like?
1: Yes, he had a wonderful male musk smell. He was an international swimmer. So he either smelled of chlorine or of his own body. And it was really very nice. He didn't use deodorant. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Okay, so you like the smell of him. What was Les
1: like as a person? He was fun, quite shy and quiet when I first knew him, but thoughtful. You
0: went on and married Les and had some children. When did you first notice
1: that Les was beginning to smell differently? He became a consultant anaesthetist when he was 30, which was very early. And it was just the year after that, 31, 32. And I thought, goodness, the enclosed work in theatre. He was then very busy as a consultant teaching. And and I thought it was just the environment of theatre. And I said to him, you're going to have to shower a bit more. It really is getting worse, this smell. So the more I said it, the more angry he got. So I just had to be quiet. What was his
0: new smell like? Can you describe to listeners? It
1: was a very musky, dank smell. It really was not pleasant at all.
0: You're a retired nurse, as a nurse and his partner. What other signs did you notice that indicated to you that something was not right medically with
1: Les? He had completely lost his sense of smell, which is common in Parkinson's, but I didn't know that at that time. But he became his character changed he was far more tired he didn't he wasn't as energetic he was a bit touchy actually Mm -hmm. he never used to you know lose his temper or things like that and he was quite unusual his skin was different he was getting spots it was shiny and it was just as it went on he wasn't hmm
0: He was diagnosed, as I understand it, at the age of 45 with Parkinson's?
1: 44. 44 years old.
0: People with Parkinson's don't have enough of the um, chemical dopamine in their brain because some of the nerve cells that make it have died. There's currently no cure, no way of stopping the progression of the disease. How did Les react to his
1: diagnosis? It is not an old man's disease with a shake. The YOPD Council is large now. There are very many people being diagnosed in their 20s and 30s. There is a very, very good poster in South America with an old man and a young girl holding hands. And the question in Spanish is, who has the Parkinson's? And it is the young girl. A paper in 1927 that describes the skin changes in Parkinson's that we are now aware of there are two very young women and a young man there in those photographs from 1927 so it's not an old man's disease or an old person's disease Mm -hmm. it is and it never has been yet for some reason or other it has always been misdiagnosed especially in women or the delayed diagnosis because they didn't understand this was a younger person's disease so how did Les react to his
0: diagnosis?
1: Uh, stunned. I thought he had a brain tumour because of the changes. They were, and that does happen. Uh, many people think it's a brain tumour. They go off to the, the doctors and then to the neurologist. But Les was diagnosed with Parkinson's. And he was um, quiet, very quiet at first. Stunned by it. And um, it... It had to sink in. had to sink in for both of us, Um, yes. It explained all the changes in him. It explained who he was now. It it was quite clear then. It was easier to deal with then.
0: There were over 40 symptoms of Parkinson's. I think, according to the NHS, the three main symptoms um, they've detailed is involuntary shaking of particular parts of the body, tremors, as they call it, slow movement, stiff and inflexible muscles. But what kind of symptoms did Les display?
1: The symptoms you are describing are the motor symptoms. It is now recognized that people with motor symptoms are diagnosed when there's 50% of neuronal damage. Mm -hmm. Our aim is to take that to the 20 to 30% so that people then can look at treatment exercise and diet, proven to be superb in Mm -hmm. Parkinson's. Just the same as they use it for stroke, they use it for cardiology, people who have had heart attacks, they they also use it for diabetes, they recommend. So the body has, as you would say, its own agenda. The body can cure part of itself if you use the the right sort of exercise, exercise, for the type of disease you have. But diet is crucial as well. And there were other symptoms,
0: mild memory and thinking problems, sleep problems, anxiety, depression. Yes. When did you first realize that
1: Les's new smell was linked to Parkinson's? When Les was advancing quite a bit, um, we decided we'd come home. We had family still here and friends. Home is
0: Perth, is it?
1: Yes, home is Perth. So um, we arrived back and decided, well, we had some friends, but we didn't have friends involved in Parkinson's. And so we went to the first Parkinson's UK meeting. And I walked into the room at the gateway and stopped and walked out again. And I I said, I'll only be a minute. And I walked out again. I thought about it. I thought, that is an overpowering smell of Les. So I walked back in again and I uh, took a breath and I thought, yes, I've got to cope with this. And there was the woman at the desk who had Parkinson's and I, you know, normal, I have to breathe. So I'm breathing normally thinking this is, this is amazing. And got home and sat him down at the table. I said, let's have a cup of tea. And he said, what's, what's up? And I said, look, I've got to tell you something. I said, the people in that room who had Parkinson's smell the same as you. His response, what are you talking about? I said, remember the smell I used to speak about? And he said, yes, but what do you mean? I said, they smell the same as you. Oh, as a doctor, he needed it to be done again. So the next meeting was a month later. So I had noticed they had the same penchant as Les, that chocolate biscuits were their favourite. I went and got the Marks and Spencers chocolate biscuit tin, bought it in Marks and Spencers, took it out, went and helped the other carers to make the tea and then started going around with the chocolate biscuits. And I was smelling those people. And I thought, this is amazing. So he couldn't wait until I got out the door and I said, no, no, I'm not speaking about it until we're in the car. So we got into the car and I said, they all smell the same as you, however, there are different levels.
0: So... The strength of the smell was yes.
1: fainter or, or stronger.
0: My goodness. Your husband, what did he say?
1: It was like he, he came back again. He became that medical person again. He thought about it. He had to find someone who was in the right niche. He had to find someone who would listen and go forward with it. Because both of us knew what it meant. I was always able to smell people if their diabetes was going off. Here we were in our house thinking, how do we do this? But then there was a, a stem cell meeting in Edinburgh, in the MRCPU. And um, this was Dr. Tilo Kunath. And it was like an out-of-body experience. I could feel my legs begin to straighten. And I thought, I really don't want to do this. <laughs> and My voice just started. Tilo had asked for questions. And I said, why are you not using the smell of Parkinson's to diagnose it earlier? Silence. (laughs) Yes. And what did he say? He said, Could you repeat it? (laughs) Because he didn't believe what he'd heard. (laughs) So I repeated it and he looked at other people and they all said, Well, we don't know what you're talking about. We didn't hear from Tilo for a few months and then he was on the phone. Uh, He was at a dinner, a Christmas dinner, with um, a researcher in cancer and he related the story to her and she said, Go and find that woman now. And he didn't know how to find me. He did get in contact with Parkinson's UK and they were able to put me in contact. Yes, it went from there. I pre-diagnosed someone in the proof of concept, again, like my husband. What did that involve? Well, there were 12 people. So they, I explained where it was, which was a surprise for them. I said to, to them, it's at the back of the neck um, and more round the, the face, the nose, but definitely stronger at the back of the neck. So these people wore T-shirts, the control people and the people with Parkinson's wore T-shirts for 24 hours. They were told they had not to wash, not to use perfumes. They just had to wear the T-shirts, then wrap them up and put them in a sealed bag after the 24 hours. Now, Tilo took the T-shirts out once he discovered that it was just the back of the neck. He cut the back of the neck out of the T-shirts, but he cut them in half. Mm -hmm. So I got 24 random samples in 24 bags. And as I went through them, I was able to identify them. When we got to the end, Tilo said, well, you're nearly right, but there's one wrong. And I insisted. I said, no, I said, this person definitely has Parkinson's. But she said, no, no, it's in the control. So nine months later, that person came back and said they had Parkinson's. They had just been diagnosed. At the end of the study, there was all these bags of separate T-shirts. Now, the basis of me smelling is I find the person first. Each person has their own odour. And I have to find the person before I can assess the Parkinson's levels. So I said, right, I'll put them back together again for you. And I did it perfectly I put 24 samples back to 12 people good grief yeah Tilo spoke to Professor Padita Barn and she was moving to Manchester which was an actual factor bonus for us because they had the equipment in Manchester to do the work that she required to do
0: Professor Padita Barn at Manchester University can you tell me about the work that you did
1: with her we set out to find out what which volatiles were involved. Um, and I was doing several test sessions, identifying them. We were contacted by Anatune, as I say, which was a huge benefit. Anatune is a company in Cambridge, um, a machine company in Cambridge. Can you tell me about the machine that was used? All the equipment, you know, the, for taking the uh, swab um, and putting it in, et cetera, somewhere within the machine... It's divided. And as the volatiles have been heated and the volatile compounds are being heated, they come off in two ports instead of just the one. So one port comes to me, one port goes to the machine. And I am given the volatiles that go through. For the identification at first, it took a good 40 minutes to do all of this, precisely identify all the molecules.
0: So you're sniffing through this machine, the volatile compound that's got, coming to you, and you have a clicker. Would you click when you smell that smell?
1: About there are four levels on the clicker, and I hold it for as long as is required to the, you know, the length I can smell that volatile. Um, if I've clicked four, it's higher than the smell that I, I, I click one. So that is how it works. It was a, a very big breakthrough, I think. It, it's, it's amazing because the two graphs come out, and as I say, I'm four seconds behind the machine because that has to go from my brain to my finger. As a result, there's a simple cotton bud swab taken from the
0: from the back of the neck. This test has been created. Three minutes, is it? It's yes. from the swab that's taken from the back of the neck to getting the test results?
1: Yes, it's very, very simple. You take the Q-tip, you rub it on the paper, and you introduce it into the machine there's an electric current on the paper the volatiles are released there is not a a great expense and we think that is extremely important that this test is viable for the NHS
0: how much do they believe it'll cost
1: Ferdi's withholding that she says it's very little
0: So it's a very exciting time for you in terms of this research and and, and trying to get this early diagnosis. Is it correct that Alzheimer's smells to you like rye bread and diabetes smells like nail polish and cancer smells like mushrooms and tuberculosis smells like wet cardboard? Uh, Wet
1: brown cardboard.
0: I see. Okay. Are you working with uh, researchers on, on other tests to try to detect conditions like cancer and
1: Alzheimer's? Well, we went to a Popo in Tanzania um, before lockdown. They used the African pouch rat to diagnose. Um, I went out there and I did score higher than the rat. This year, I went back out for three weeks. And I took uh, Dr. uh, Depanjan Sarkar with me, went with me this time. Mm -hmm. And we have now launched a study into other diagnostics for TB. Because little children cannot spit up the sputum. And over 1,700 children die a day of TB because Mm -hmm. they can't be diagnosed. Les uh, died in 2015. Did
0: you feel like caring for him came naturally as a nurse or did did you feel over time that you resented looking after him?
1: One of my um, near uh, close advocates in the World Parkinson's Coalition webinar that that she was on said caring for Parkinson's is not for the light-hearted. It is quite a difficult job in the first part of the lockdown, Dr. Christopher Getz he did a lecture with the Davis Finney Foundation in California, and he admitted that they had known about the psychosis of Parkinson's for over 40 years. He had been told by his mentors and by his colleagues that he had not to discuss it and not to treat it. They do now have a treatment for it, but all those years, we were all left with a person who was developing a psychosis possibly now he said it was seven to eight people who are diagnosed will eventually get the psychosis
0: how did it affect you
1: and your family your children uh, their father had changed quite a bit by the time they realized and that change of character the uh, violent dreams it it was less became the opposite he understood as at the very end he did understand more at the very end and one day he turned around he put me in his arms and he says i have really made it very difficult for you in our lives he said i'm really sorry i haven't cared for you as i should have but that was the disease that wasn't my les there are two different people i have lived with i've lived with my les and I have lived with someone with Parkinson's.
0: If Les were listening to you now and knew about the research breakthroughs you'd been involved in, what do you think he would say
1: to you? And what would you like to say to him? He was so enthusiastic when we made the first discovery. With the first test, he, he would have just been over the moon, but to actually get to, I'm saying the proof of concept, he would have been over the moon, but to get to this stage, he would be just so pleased, he really would. On his deathbed, he made me promise that I would do this. To the extent of what I'm doing now, we never ever thought about this. I am in the women's group. I am a co-founder of the women's group in Britain and Europe. Um, We are doing work because we now realize that the signs and symptoms are completely different for women. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Rachel Flanagan one of um, my co-members um, she has, did a survey, a survey a monkey survey um, and 84.04 doctors neurologists have never asked a woman whether her period affects her tablets whether her tablets work or not and they don't now that is one quarter of a woman's life every month is wiped out just before their period and into their period, about five, six days before a period, they have a different person. And they will tell you that. It is not everybody, but it is the majority of women changed. So the difference between a man and a woman in Parkinson's is quite definite.
0: So you're heavily involved in that women's uh, group to, to look into that. Is there anything more that you would like to say? I
1: am part of the PD Avengers. If anybody wants to look up PD Avengers, please do. We are a body of people who are advancing the work in Parkinson's. So please look at um, PD Avengers. Joy
0: Milne, thank you very much for your time today. It's been wonderful having you on. Thank you for doing it.
1: This media, uh, it's beginning to show people. My daughter-in-law actually said, We didn't even realise what you were living through. It is getting it across to people. Parkinson's is a progressive neurological condition,
0: which around 145,000 people have in Britain, according to Parkinson's UK. There are over 40 symptoms of Parkinson's, and these can include shaking, slowness of movement and muscle stiffness. The symptoms start to appear when the brain cannot make enough dopamine to control movement properly. Having already developed a swab test to enable earlier diagnosis of Parkinson's, Joy is now going further by helping scientists to develop tests for other conditions like tuberculosis. Joy often smells cancers and TB on people and has to stop herself from telling them believing it would be unethical to tell people, she instead feels honouring her husband's wish that she helped the medical profession with early diagnosis of conditions like Parkinson's is the right thing to do. And she can be proud that she has kept her husband's promise to use her sense of smell to help others. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Let's Talk About Care. Thanks for listening. <laughs>
1: The Let's Talk About Care podcast.